Next up, slash hit. Michael Myers spooks up $172 million at the global box office. That's right. After 40 years from her screen debut, Jamie Lee Curtis is killing it again. Which means there's no time like now for a Rick and Rick review of Halloween. And it all starts right here, right now. On the one show where everybody's name is Rick. And everyone rules the world. Hey, I can't believe it. Halloween. I know, and I've been running around with a pirate patch on and a stupid hat all week long. You know, saying, hey, baby. <laughs> you know, it reminds me one Halloween, my, my then-girlfriend, now wife, and I went to a Halloween party. And she was the sexiest damn pirate I've ever seen. And <laughs> Right uh, not. Yeah, but I was Superman, Clark Kent turning into Superman. Oh, I think I've seen this. I think you've seen a photo of this. And so I had the suit and then, you know, sort of the shirt opening up to, you know, the Superman insignia and the shirt underneath. But my wife built out this thing with the tie. So it was actually flying behind me. So it looked like I was in motion. Great in theory, really bad idea in a crowded party. Let me tell you. If I turned, someone was getting smacked. Oh, that's funny. Now I wonder if I still have photos of her as the pirate, though. I got to look that up. This movie, man, between the between the actual holiday and the movie, I mean, it's kind of a crazy time right now. We are going to have a Rick and Rick review of Halloween. But before we get there, I think that we have to take a moment to thank our listeners here. Yes. October record month for us. So I think I mentioned to you that March was pretty good and then we're kind of normal. And then all of a sudden yeah. in, in August, there was a spike. Then September, we doubled that spike. October could come up to triple September spike. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. So we have to thank folks, especially folks who left five-star reviews on iTunes. We have five of them yes. right now. Thank so whoever you, you are, thank you, thank you, thank awesome. You. Huge thanks. It was, it, it was you know, you know, my dad, my brother, my sister, you know, it was I, anybody I could, you know, you know Better damn well be. All of our friends better get on there and and give us a five-star review. And let me tell you, the holidays are going to be really uncomfortable if they didn't do it. I'm just saying. So everyone, you know, if you have not put in a five-star review for us on iTunes, please do that. And even better, leave a five-star review and glowing written review on iTunes for us as well. We are working on a total Rickhead t-shirt that we're thinking about giving away to the first three people in the United States who leave glowing reviews. I have no idea how we'll do that yet, but definitely keep that in mind because it's a possibility. We also do have to take a moment to thank everyone who is helping Rick and Rick rule the world live up to its name. I got to tell you, Rick, we have people that we need to thank here tuning in to the show from San Francisco, New York City, Los Angeles, San Jose, Chicago, Dallas, Seattle, Sacramento, Miami, Denver, Oakland, Anchorage, Phoenix, London, Amsterdam, Lisbon, Frankfurt and on and on cities around the world. So thank you so much for joining us in the fun, everybody. Yes. Thank you. That's awesome. Okay. So we've got a monster of a hit on the show today. We are going to be reviewing Halloween. Before we get into that. So I'm at a barbecue today. I'm talking with a bunch of people, met, met a couple of new people. And in the conversation, uh, I, I heard this story and, and, and at first it sounded like it was so crazy it couldn't be true but then you know the details kind of came out and I guess it is so so if you remember you know when we were kids you know you were you were a little boy I was a little boy and we always probably talked about farts and poop and stuff like that and laughed to ourselves and by the time my kids were of age and you know they were you know what seven eight nine years old you know Captain Underpants came out and everybody joked about that well apparently uh, not to be outdone, some toddler said, hold my sippy cup, and, uh, and, and there's like a new level. 
And so there is a song going around the internet right now that kids are crazy about. And apparently it's making it to birthday parties called Poop in My Fingernails. <laughs> I, I swear I'm not making this up. I looked it up. I found it online. I, I, I literally, like, we were at the party, we hit the button on the Alexa and said, Alexa, play me poop in my fingernails. And no just way. like that, Alexa was was playing it. Uh, and, and it is absolutely hilarious. And apparently, I mean, kids are loving the song so much that they're asking their parents to, like, make birthday parties around this, which I'm... I'm not even sure what that means. I, yeah. I, I just can't picture what that means. Chocolate frosting you, somewhere in there, but I don't want to think about it. Have you heard about this? I have never heard of that song. Here I thought that coffee makes me poop gum was pretty gross. And now you're saying <laughs> poop in my fingernails is a song. Yeah, yeah. So apparently the, the band is the Toilet Bowl Cleaners. And I shit you not. I feel like I'm making this stuff up. <laughs> and and the, the hit song is poop in my fingernails. And, and you know, they their whole thing is... You know, their their quote for this particular song is, you thought we ran out of poop songs uh, to sing about. You were wrong. Jeez. <laughs> poop in my fingernails. I'm going to definitely have to play that and see what that's all yeah. about. Gross. So, so, so it got, it got me wondering. I mean, like, you know, obviously this is an escalating thing, right? Like I said, we, we made, yeah. you know, fart poop poop jokes when we were kids and it was inappropriate. And then Captain Underpants came out and that was still quasi inappropriate, but the parents put up with it. Now this. And so like, I'm, I'm picturing what the rest of this album looks like, right? <laughs> you know, and, you know, what other bodily functions are they singing about? So, you know, maybe, you know, the secondary B-side is, you know, where's my Pepto-Bismol? Uh, you know, <laughs> the follow-up album is, you know, I pee when I giggle. And, you know, let's not forget the crowd favorite, Chitty Chitty Adult Diaper. I don't know. Gross. I don't know where this is going. You just made me know. think of that old SNL skit, uh, Oops, I Pooped My Pants. Let's not forget that, you know, Kmart had that commercial four yes. or five years ago, yeah. which was Ship My Pants. Yeah, and I'm yeah. saying S-H-I-P for the audience. Yeah. Ship my pants and they, I just they went through my pants. <laughs> exactly they went through a, a kmart store it's like i'm sorry sir we don't have that in in stock but i can have that shipped to your home oh my god you can ship my pants i just ship my pants <laughs> we have a monster hit on our hands this week for you and so when we come back after the break we are going to review halloween Hey, Rick and Rick Nation, don't forget to check out our all-new website at rickandrick.com, where you can listen to new and archived episodes, join in on the conversation, or, you know, just make fun of our photos. It's double the Rick in just one click at rickandrick.com. You see how I did that? It was clever. Okay. I like that. All right, we're back here on Rick and Rick Rule the World, and it is time for the official Rick and Rick review of Halloween. And before we get too far, spoiler alerts ahead. You know, it's it's not often that you can take and reboot a. I mean, this is this is literally a cult classic. Yeah. That you could reboot it, make the kind of money that they're making, and get the amazing reviews that they are. They have they have done something that I think is admirable. I don't think many, many uh, franchises could be rebooted this way. No, this is a phenomenon. And I will say, I think I saw that it was biggest October opening. I could be wrong there, but then also the biggest opening for a female lead over 55 by by itself is a pretty big deal. Oh, right on. Lived in times where, you know, women over 30 felt like they were being overlooked. And here, Jamie Lee Curtis is over 55 and she's just kicked ass at the theater. So kudos to her. Yeah. So what'd you think? Well, it's interesting. So this one is 40 years 
four decades after that original, in which Jamie Lee Curtis played, I think it was Laurie Strode was her name, and she was menaced by Michael Myers. And he is still alive. He's got, he is in his 60s, close to 70, and he is at a mental institute, and he is being shipped somewhere, and of course he breaks loose. Jamie Lee Curtis plays Laurie. She's a grandmother now, and she has a grown daughter who is married and has a teenage daughter of her own. But Jamie Lee Curtis and her daughter are estranged because everyone kind of thinks she's kind of a wacko now. Jamie Lee Curtis has this whole survivalist mentality because she's certain that Michael Myers is going to reappear at one point or some point and try to kill her and the people that she loves. I think my reaction was meh. It is getting all these outstanding reviews. Everyone seems to love it. It's kicking ass at the box office and nothing about this movie got me. No chills, no thrills. I literally was like, okay, that was fine. He has some blood and guts. There's some great scenes in it. You're framed a certain way. The music's great. You know, the first movie did such a great job of capturing this sort of evil lurking under the surface of suburbia. This movie, there are moments that are like that, but um, it was fine. It was fine. So you, you you didn't think it was awesome? I would give it a C plus, maybe. You know, and so that's, that's interesting because, you know, it seems like, to your point, that the audience on this is absolutely split. Roger Ebert uh, gave it two and a half stars, okay. right, as an example. And uh, his, his whole point was that uh, they kind of lost some of the essence of the uh, John Carpenter Halloween, that they, yeah. they just didn't really capture what made that film unique and a masterpiece in its own time. Uh, however, when I've read many other reviews, uh, the the answer's been completely different. People people have thought that it was over the top awesome, that it stood on its own. And you know, I gotta wonder. We've talked about this before with other things. I gotta wonder how much of that separation in opinion comes from people who experienced the original versus ah. people who are seeing it for kind of for the first time. Yeah, because that's our, a very good question. Our kids never watched the original, or if they did, you know, the special effects and the storyline are probably not as relevant to them as it was to us. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. Now, I, you know, we should mention here that this movie is pretending as if all the other sequels to Halloween did not happen. So it is supposed Sorry. to be a direct sequel to the original. There is an interesting twist here. There are a couple of reversed scenes. If you remember in the first movie, there's a point where Laurie has somehow, I think it's Laurie or the Dr. Uh, Loomis, who has tried to recapture Michael, shoots him or something, and he falls over the ledge, you know, the second floor of the house where she's babysitting, and they look down, right. and he's on the ground. They talk, then they look back, and he's not there. Well, right. in this... Same thing kind of happens, but Michael tosses Lori over the top of the second floor, looks down, her body's there. He turns around because her daughter and granddaughter are in the house. He looks back and she's gone. And uh, yeah, it was a really nice touch. And you realize in the last, I don't know, quarter, maybe closer to the end, you realize that Michael's not the hunter here. Lori is the hunter here. She's hunting uh, him. And by nice. the end, you see that she has laid a trap for him, the one way that you would imagine you could kill Michael. So, and they have this sort of cathartic moment, of course, exactly. to light him on fire. Right, so, right. so it was cathartic and I, I, it was fine. Now I have to say, I love Jamie Lee Curtis. If I am in Southern California and I am going to see one or more celebrities, one of them is always going to be Jamie Lee Curtis. Right. I interviewed her years ago, kind of 90s for one of her movies. I mean, she's exactly like you imagine her to be totally cool, totally sexy, totally fun. So I, I, I love her. Uh, I saw her just at, at Comic-Con two times 
moons ago. And I want to say I saw her one other time. Her mom was on a flight from LA to New York one time. Her mom was Janet Lee, who played in Psycho. Oh, right, right. So she's great, but this movie just didn't do anything for me. Apparently it has done a lot for a lot of people. Just I am not among them. You know, if you think about it, I was I was just looking at the dates for this. So Halloween, the original Halloween movie came out in 1978. Yeah. Right? So we were both pretty young at that point. Yep. Uh, but I remember watching a lot of these. And, and at the time, I think it was, it had to have been after this. So, you know, in 78, you had Halloween. In yep. 1980, you had Friday the 13th. Yep. Uh, in 1984, you had Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep. And we've talked before about uh, Werewolf in London, American yep. Werewolf in London, yep. uh, which was the one movie I begged my dad to take me to see that I then had to leave 15 minutes into it. Cause I was <laughs> Did terrified. you really? Oh, oh my God, yes. Yeah. I begged him and begged him and finally convinced him to do it. And then we went to the movie and I, I literally lasted 15 minutes. I couldn't oh. do it. You know, the first time the, the decomposed friend came to the bed, it was like, I'm out, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I did come across some great trivia. And I have only found out in the last month or so that Michael Myers mask is actually a Captain Kirk mask, a William yes. Shatner mask. It was yes. bought for $1.98 at a hardware store. And um, I just read today that the what the artists, whatever makeup artists did, they kind of expanded the eyeball sockets a little bit. And then they spray painted it with white, blue, kind of a white, blue color. Um, so there's been this whole generation of folks who grew up not realizing they were so terrified of William Shatner. <laughs> And then the other thing, too, is, have you ever seen Halloween 3? Remind me which one that is. So this was early 80s. Honestly, they, they all they all blended together with for me. Yeah, I think this is the last one I saw. I might have seen a 1990s one. But but this one was complete departure. And it was John Carpenter and Deborah Hill brought it out. I don't remember if he directed it. It had nothing to do with Michael Myers. They decided oh, right. that if they right. were going the to do which this. I see it now. Yeah. yeah. They decided that they, if they're going to do this, let's make this a anthology series, almost like a uh, night gallery, but on a huge scale where each Halloween, the idea was they would have a new Halloween movie with some scary new thing. And each of them might create franchises of their own. Nobody bought it. It was pretty much a flop. Yeah. It, I, if I remember right, it almost completely killed the... Yeah. the movie franchise. I mean, they, they had serious concerns about running the franchise after that. But, you know, the, the interesting thing is what you talked about is they, he tried to create a, um, a very expandable universe, right, yeah. by trying to, you know, make it adapt so that you, know, you can go from movie to movie and it's almost a different storyline which is exactly what American Horror exactly. Story does yeah. every single season. Yep. And it's so effective. So it's interesting. You can see a show that took that same idea and actually has made it work. Well, yeah. And you look at American Horror Story, it's not just, you know, one season is a story, but each season, totally different settings, the same actors playing different characters yeah. in many cases. Yeah. I did read that apparently back in 78, there was, you know, when people were reviewing the movie and, college and whatnot, people writing papers about it. They had argued that if you look at that first movie, any of the kids who were promiscuous, their boyfriends in the movie, they all died. And Laurie Strodes, who was still virginal, was the one who survived. 
And a lot of people uh-huh. thought that that's what that message was all about. Carpenter said, no, it's just a horror movie. But he said, if anything, it's the opposite. It's that Laurie Strode is the one sexually frustrated member of her clique and that she phallically stabs Michael Myers, you know, to get her frustration out, if anything. He said, but it's not. It's just a horror movie. So I thought that was interesting. But it did spark a whole thread of academic, you know, sort of exploration around the concepts in that movie. Okay, so we're going to come back. Okay, we're back. Rick and Rick rule the world. It's time for everybody's favorite weekly quiz where Rick M poses multiple choice questions to test your knowledge of some of this past week's biggest news and events in the world of marketing, media, tech, and pop culture. Rick Wooten will be playing in studio and fans can play at home to compare answers. You ready, Rick Wooten? I'm ready. Let's play questions. All right, question number one. This week, the New York Times ran an article titled The Spooky Side of Machine Learning about how researchers trained artificial intelligence to come up with Halloween costume ideas. Which of the following was not one of those costumes created by AI? A, zombie schoolgirl. B, toaster boy. C, Ruth Bader hat guy. D, Frankenstein's bunny. Or E, vampire baseball clown. Which of these costume ideas was not generated by artificial intelligence? Ruth Bader hat guy. That's freaking crazy, isn't it? Uh, But no, you are incorrect. The correct answer was vampire baseball clown. So according to the Times, the neural network produced different names at different stages or epochs of training. And they included zombie schoolgirl, toaster boy, Ruth Bader hat guy, Frankenstein's bunny, and baseball clown, to which I just added vampire. But one of my favorites, there was Donald McDonald. It's a cross between Ronald McDonald and the Donald, but none of it beat McGrimmis dressed as Thanos at Comic-Con, I'm sorry. That's true. That's true. That was sheer brilliance. So question two, which of the following was not seen as a potential global development in the next few years, according to a new survey of C-level executives? A, global 500 companies will be increasingly vulnerable to fake news campaigns. B, Corporate leaders will increasingly be expected to play roles in society beyond narrow corporate interests. C. Backlash against GDPR in the UK will inspire other countries to slow down efforts to expand privacy regulations. Or D. Extreme weather events will act as a drag on economic growth. Which of these is not seen? as a potential global development to C-level executives. Wow, that's that's incredible because any of those seem pretty likely. I'm going to go with the GDPR one, the UK backlash, because I personally haven't seen a lot of news about that. You are correct. So according to eMarketer, they reported on a study titled 2018 Views from the C-Suite. Each of these is something that C-Suite executives expect to see in the next few years, except for item C. Instead of a backlash against GDPR, the survey finds executives seeing that the EU's new GDPR will inspire other countries to expand privacy regulations. Yeah. We're actually actually already seeing that with Canada. Canada is actually the next one up. Well, yeah. In fact, uh, California just passed the California Consumer Privacy Act. It goes into effect in 2020. It's going to put GDPR to shame. That law will have global implications for anyone that's doing business with anyone 
within California. So that is going to be a major, major event in 2019 leading up to, I believe it's January 1st, 2020, when that law goes into effect. It's um, going to be interesting to see if they can even enforce it, though. I mean, yeah. that's that's going to be that's going to be pretty tough. It will be interesting to see. It's been a couple of weeks since I saw the exact details, but it targets tech companies pretty heavily, including mobile carriers, which carries a lot more data about us than, than most people realize. Uh-huh. So it'll be interesting. You know, it's one of those things where as marketers, shoot, you're taking away some of our best targeting capabilities, certainly happening with GDPR. But as a consumer, <laughs> I'm kind of like, you're right on. All right. So question number three, which of the following television shows had their premiere 47 years ago this month? A, the Super Friends, B, Electric Company, C, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, or D, the Brady Kids Go to Rehab? <laughs> it's not D. Uh, I'm going to guess Super Friends. A good guess, but no. Super Friends came out in 1973. In October 1971, Electric Company, including established stars like Rita Moreno, but also, among others, a guy named Morgan Freeman, who went on to do some stuff. All right. So question number four. The Wall Street Journal recently did a story about deep fakes, which are A, Fake news items created by the imaginary deep state. B, two of the reasons Kim Kardashian likes to say my eyes are up here. (laughs) C, videos made with AI that make it possible to show anyone saying anything you want. Or D, videos made with AI that makes it possible to show anyone doing anything you want. Which of these is the description of deep fakes? It's, it's the last one. It's being able to create videos with somebody's face, uh, showing them saying and doing whatever you want. Okay, so I'm going to let you have that for C. This particular story was about deep fakes, which were are videos made with AI that make it possible to show anyone saying anything you want. So you can match people's facial expressions and voices to make it appear as if they're saying anything you want them to say. It's actually pretty freaky, and it is going to have enormous implications in a society already where reality itself is being questioned. And it it could very well break people further into tribes that believe just what they want to believe, which is a true horror movie none of us wants to see. That's right. So our final question, you're doing great. Final question, and I saw this last night. So Starbucks Witches Brew, Halloween-themed Frappuccino drinks, feature which of the following lists of ingredients? A, toad's breath, bat warts, swamp fog, and lizard scale powder. B, purple swamp dust, bat warts, swamp fog, and lizard skin powder. Or C, Al Roker's belly button lint and the poop in your fingernails. <laughs> Which of these is the list of ingredients according to Starbucks for their Witch's Brew Halloween-themed frappuccino? I gotta guess C. Shoot. The correct answer is A. According to Marketing Dive, this limited edition blend is layered with purple toad's breath that tastes like orange cream, a green swirl of chia seed bat warts, whipped cream swamp (laughs) fog, and a dusting of green lizard scale powder. So, uh... Wow. Definitely check that one out. Awesome. Well, that is going to do it for us today. Thank you, everyone, for making Rick and Rick part of your world everywhere in all those amazing cities. Be sure to tune in next time for the one show where everybody's name is Rick and everybody rules the world. Thanks so much, everyone.